Sometimes I get uh, nervous and anxious before coming up here, but realized if I don't have a bulletin and I don't know when I'm supposed to come up here, it sneaks up on me and I don't have to get anxious while I'm waiting to come up. Um, So uh, Jeff is in Austin. He was uh, doing a wedding this weekend. Uh, So I'm I'm, uh, stepping in to cover 2 Corinthians 4 for us. so let's, let's just go ahead and, and jump in here. Let's see if, make sure this is working. All right. Um, so just to kind of recap where the past uh, several weeks have been, everything in this letter to the Corinthians is Paul, in a sense, having to defend uh, himself and his gospel, have, having to defend the gospel uh, because all these people had come in after he had converted all of these uh, mostly Gentiles uh, to uh, to Christ. And all these guys come after him and say, Paul is not the person you should be listening to. And, and he's having to, he's having to uh, defend himself, defend the gospel. And so everything he writes here is just authenticating what an apostle is supposed to be like, what an apostle is supposed to do. Um, and by extension, what a false apostle does and says uh, and, and looks like. So let's just uh, read the first couple verses here together. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. So he's already listed out. Here's three things. Here's a very, very short job description, I guess, or a character description uh, of a, a true apostle, right? So speaking the, the truth plainly, um, commending himself uh, in God's sight, right? This, this isn't about how I look to you. This is about uh, just living before God's throne, right? Not distorting God's word, not using deception. Uh, literally, the word there for um, uh, we refuse to practice cunning, he says we refuse to walk around with swagger, uh, is basically what, what the Greek says, walking around with swagger. Um, and so Paul says that's, that's not what being apostle uh, is about at all. So there was this, this uh, guy in high school, that was a year younger than me, and he came. For, he was uh, transferred from a really, really small school, and I went to a pretty small school myself. But so he came from an even smaller school where he was like the the big shot MVP athletics, you know, guy. And uh, so he's he was bragging about all these uh, awards that he had won and everything. And then when he actually got to play against all of us on the team, we realized he's not that great, you know. So we we called him All Star. Just sort of as a joke, right? And so Paul is going to refer to these these guys that uh, walk around with swagger as the super apostles, um, these these all stars that that promote themselves, that preach a false gospel. Very, really, this is kind of health and wealth gospel that the super apostles are um, are coming up with. So. Their message is God has obviously abandoned Paul, um, and look how much he's suffered. You know, 
Obviously, God can't be with somebody, can't approve of somebody who has gone through this much junk. God would have saved him from that if he was a real, true apostle, right? Uh, on top of that, his degree is from the wrong university. He doesn't dress the right way. His beard's not thick enough. He always looks like he just got off of a shipwreck. You know, all these things, they're saying, Paul is not the real deal. We are the real deal. Um, so let's, let's keep going three and four. Even if our gospel is veiled... This is kind of continuing from uh, last week. It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Uh, just kind of a quick note, something, you know, my own commentary on this. Um, if this is universally true... Uh, it, it kind of speaks to me, you know, one thing. For, for one, people aren't blinded because they renounce the gospel. Um, people renounce the gospel because they're blinded. And they're not blinded by their own choice. It says because the God of this world has caused them to be that way, right? Um, so, again, I don't know if Paul means this as a universal statement. This is the case all the time. But... Um, at least for me, I've got to ask myself, how do I help people take off the blinders, right? In what way do I need to make sure that I'm presenting the gospel in a way that is not, uh, that just can help them see how Satan, through our culture, I think mostly has, has, has blinded us all. Uh, and, and again, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against those people who would say, no, you're wrong, I don't believe you. Our battle is not against them. Uh, Ephesians 6, right, Paul says, uh, it's, n- it's not against flesh and blood, but against the authorities, the powers of, of this dark world. Uh, and so he keeps on slamming them. Uh, we don't proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. Uh, literally, as your slaves because Jesus. Um, Daniel and I have this thing where if we're in the office talking about something really complicated and gets heavy theologically and we don't kind of know where to go from there, we just say, because Trinity, and just kind of let that be the end of it because, you know, the Trinity is kind of hard to explain or, you know, defend. and and uh, But it seems to be, uh, I don't know, a popular way to just go ahead and say, you know, everything is because of that. And so it's kind of a, a just kind of a funny cop-out that we use. But Paul is, is saying, no, it's because of Jesus. Um, because Jesus was a slave, I am a slave. And that's how true apostles, that's how followers of Christ uh, see themselves. This, these super apostles, they do nothing but promote themselves. Um, and I, I think Paul is suggesting here, these guys have actually made you their slaves, right? Making you pay for their services and, uh, and all that kind of thing. Uh, and, and I can't help but think Paul has a lot of maybe Philippians 2 in mind here, uh, which is probably my favorite several verses in the New Testament. In humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped or exploited But emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Being born in human likeness, being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death 
on a cross. So Paul's message for them is quit looking at the letters behind these guys' names. Um, if they've got them, fine. You know, you're not a bad person if you've got degrees and, and all that stuff uh, by any means. But if they're charging you extra because of it, run. You know, um, don't focus on these superficial things that the culture you live in would have you focus on that our culture trains us to think about and to value. And the more that I studied and, and thought about this, the more I realized how relevant this is, you know, for our culture, maybe even more so today than it was then. I don't know. Um, but people can be pretty critical, especially of church. And sometimes it's for, sometimes being critical is good, right? Sometimes we are critical of things that we don't need to be critical about, though, as a culture. Um, some, sometimes valid reasons, other times not so much. Uh, Daniel and I, uh, Friday got on to, uh, finding one star Google reviews of churches, which is a thing. You know, people go on Google and they say, this church is a three star church and here's my opinion why. And so one through five stars. And, uh, I thought it'd be, I don't know, it kind of made me laugh, but also made me cry at the same time to just find a bunch of one-star reviews of churches. So I thought I'd share some of these with you. Um, I didn't like the hand sanitizer. It smelled funny. One star. Uh, the cleaning personnel are rude. They will clean on you if you don't move. Watch out with the Satan emoji. Uh, why don't you just move? Uh, uh, no one manning the phone. One star. Nothing about this church is biblical, and the only thing they love are themselves. I don't know how long it, I don't know how long these people were there, but baptizing in black, not white. Even Christ was dressed in white when he was baptized by John the Baptist as a symbol of light and purity. I missed that part in the New Testament, but uh, one star for that. Very shallow, very lightweight Christianity, loud music, fancy videos. It's all, we love everyone, yada, yada. Jesus is our homeboy, right? Not really. This one had a lot of backstory. I shortened it way down. Uh, this person said, uh, went when I was eight years old, a family friend of ours took me and my friend to a Willy Wonka event and had a nightmare of a time. Kids were trying to get out and they were pushing them back harshly to the point that the kids fell to the ground. But soon enough, kids were able to slip through, which opened the door to some parents that saw what was happening inside. Lucky my mom showed up early to pick me up and saw us kids being led down the halls to the room. She hung back because they told her to and that we were having a fun meeting. But when she saw us through the doors crying, she ran up and told the men to move. One of the men started shaking and saying, we've lost them, we've lost them. Other parents started to grab their kids and leave as well. P.S. Never got any candy. It was a trick to get kids to show. Very Hansel and Gretel-esque. Um, I wish I could give no stars. I was encouraged to jump off a bridge if that's what I wanted to do. They put up a good front, but at its core, this isn't a house of God or not the God of love they claim to worship. The devil lives here. Uh, I found an arrogant swagger among staff members as they sip their coffee and point out in passing that not everyone will agree with the tenets of this church. They seem to smugly wear this sentiment as a badge of honor. I mention coffee because only staff have access to it. The church doesn't provide the customary beverage for common folk like us. 
uh, wacky week program, don't let your kids go, I really disappointed. They didn't even reward children with jewel tickets. I don't know what that is, and they didn't say what it is. Uh, horrible treatment, so boring, no snacks, no water, and they had a headache. Uh, tax the churches. Too much, not into the circus. Uh, there was a completely out-of-control dog running amok in the parking lot, in the building, tripping people, etc. Know what they told him? Please pick up your dog, sir. Make your own call on that. I personally can't trust a person or establishment that dislikes dogs. <laughs> One star. Uh, too big, got lost. Nothing but whack jobs here. Crackers were stale. Uh, these are interesting. I don't remember going there. One star. Why are you ranked? I don't don't know. And then the other ones are even cool, warm, friendly, welcoming church. Gorgeous place. Everything is a sight to see. One star. I don't think they get how it works. But um, what an appallingly sick approach to get a church ranked or rated like a restaurant guide. I agree. Two stars. (laughs) I, I don't know. Um, I wasn't raptured, but the architecture is awe-inspiring. I don't know if he expected to be raptured, or I I don't know. The Spirit of the Lord is there. Four stars, not five. (laughs) Um, I went to the basement, and nobody would stop talking. There were also feral ghouls everywhere. I don't know if that's like a spiritual analogy of, of some kind, but three stars... For feral ghouls being... I don't know. I don't get it. Um, but uh, to be fair, most of the reviews are, you know, five-star reviews of churches. But, I, you know, it just I, it's sad and funny why people and how people decide to rank a church, a group of people, based on these things that are just so dumb, you know? Um, I think Paul's message for our culture is get off the computer, stop ranking churches, and do some work. You know, um, I don't remember if, if Jeff had said this from the pulpit or if it was just a conversation, but he was talking about a um, conversation he was having with somebody and, and uh, he's talking about hating the ugliness in church um, that we've all seen uh, in, in one way or another. Um, and you like you just hate that ugliness so much. It's like I, I want nothing to do with it. I'm leaving. You know, uh, and anybody can do that. Anybody can leave a church because they hate the ugliness. Um, but can you hate the ugliness enough to stay? Can you hate the ugliness enough to stay and do something about it in love and humility? Um, so in chapters 2 and 3, Paul compares what God accomplished through Moses with kind of what God has, uh, was doing through Paul, right? Just as God set them free from Egypt um, uh, and had Moses lead them to the promised land, so Christ set them free from sin, enacted the real exodus through which the first one was pointing to, right? Uh, and Paul sees himself as, as like one of these agents leading them out of darkness into new life. And if you look in these next several verses, um, I think you'll catch maybe what I'm seeing here too. Uh, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we don't proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. 
For it is God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars, uh, literally earth vessels, vessels you know, made of dirt, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Um, it, it seems to me, if, if you look at what's going on here, image of God, light shining out of darkness, earthen vessels, that Paul's really drawing on Genesis 1 here, I think. Uh, and so it, it's as if Paul is saying, God isn't just leading you out of slavery to your sin, um, from your sin. Uh, not only is this whole church, Christianity, following Jesus thing, uh, a new exodus, this is a new creation that God is that God is enacting, that God is in the process of doing in your life. Uh, in the next chapter, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God. Um, and I wonder if maybe another reason that Paul is getting them to think about the, you know, the Genesis 1 and, and everything that happens there in 2 and 3 um, you remember why they fell, right? Why man fell from the image of God is because Adam and Eve wanted to be like God, right? It, it was pride. Uh, and Paul's saying, if you're going to follow these all-star super apostles, you're just doing the whole cycle all over again. They're just going to lead you more away from the image of God, not towards it, because pride leads you away. Humility um, humility uh, is what brings you back, right? Uh, so verse seven that I want to camp on for just a second. We have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. There was a British ambassador to the U.S. right after the uh, World War II, so the beginning of the Cold War. Uh, His name was Sir Oliver Franks. And he had to go back and forth from London to Washington, D.C. all the time, carrying really important messages from prime minister, president, and, you know, all that. And when he had really important stuff to take, very important information and files and all this kind of thing, he had a super awesome briefcase, okay, that, uh, you know, was locked in all these different kind of ways and everything, Um but when something was of paramount importance, top secret, uh, end of the world type information, he didn't get a better briefcase. He, he wrote it in a letter and he put it in a plain white envelope and he sent it in the mail. Because the thought was, who's gonna look at, who's gonna look in a little, you know, white plain envelope for top secret, you know, national security type information? You know, um, nobody would look for that kind of thing in in a little envelope. So I, I got a uh, I got a new phone a couple of weeks ago, and Jeff was talking about Android versus iPhone and all that. I'm an Android person, um, but so this is like the new Google Pixel Two XL. You know, all these uh, cool things that I think that it does. Um, I spent too much money on it. Phones are way too expensive. But uh, it'd be as if me trying to show this off and saying, look at this 
case. It's uh, smooth and has a kickstand that I can, you know, it's like, that's, that's not what it's about. You know, don't distract from what is, is inside, which is what the real treasure is. Um, back before everyone had smartphones and, you know, the screen was that big and there was one game on it and all this stuff, you actually did get a really nice, cool case because your phone stunk. Um, but, you know, anyway, the, the debate here is that I've seen about this is, did Paul mean clay like a clay pot? Uh, or was he talking about these, uh, these lamps, like these oil uh, clay lamps? Um, I think there's a lot of really cool reasons to suggest he's probably talking about one of these clay lamps, you know, the, uh, where you put oil in it and it gives light. I think it has a lot of references to, you know, the Sermon on the Mount. You know, nobody lights uh, um, a lamp and covers it. You know, you put it, you put it on its stand, light to the world and all that kind of thing. Uh, but I think the point is neither, neither are impressive. Okay. Uh, they just hold stuff. It's nothing but a container, right? Uh, and the super apostles are trying to show themselves as, look how nice of a clay pot I am. Forget Forget all the inside. Look how look how flashy uh, look how flashy the jar is, right? And I think that the point here: a, a, a jar of clay isn't meant to be admired. A jar of clay is meant to be used. Um, if I make filet mignon on my grill and have you over to my house, I'm not going to put it on super nice fancy crystal because you might think, oh, that's really nice plates you have, Brad. Um, we don't have crystal or anything like that. I'm going to put it on a paper plate and foil or something like that because I want you looking at the filet mignon that I just made you, not what you're eating it on, right? Um, Jeff last week talked about when a bird is um, uh, at its best, and it's when it's flying, right? When a bird is creating what it was created to do, that's when its purpose is fulfilled. When we as people, as, as human beings, are doing what we are created to do, created to shine the light of God in our lives, in humility, to love our neighbors as ourselves, that's when, uh, that's when we're living according to our purpose, right? Uh, but Paul would say, don't mistake the envelope for the actual message, um, so that it will be clear that this power belongs to God and not from us. Um, literally, it, it doesn't say uh, will be made clear, made manifest, or be shown that this power is from God. Literally, it just says so that this power may be from God and, and not of yourself, which I think is even more powerful um, when you think about it. It's as if to say it's only in weakness that this power may be of God. Uh, Paul's weakness serves as the basis, as the platform. Our weakness serves as the basis and the platform for God's power. It's not our strength that validates the message to this world. It's our weakness that actually validates it. Um, I just want to end here with the uh, last couple of verses. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. 
perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work with you. Uh, Death is at work in us, but life in you. Um, what's interesting here is that in verse 8, he says, not driven to despair. But you remember in chapter 1, he said, we, we were driven to despair, that we despaired of life itself. Uh, and it seems like he's giving us maybe a glimpse into his own thoughts, his own hearts here, realizing in hindsight, yeah, at the time, I felt, I, I was in despair, right? Uh, I was, I was struck down, um, perplexed, uh, afflicted in every way. And yet in hindsight, he says, but I wasn't crushed. And I think that's, that that's, I don't know, I, you have to take both of them for what they are because he's saying an apostle is willing to be crushed. A true apostle, a follower of Christ, is willing and ready to be persecuted, um, struck down, uh, perplexed, uh, afflicted in every way. But um, God is God is is uh, carrying us through it, right? James says, um, uh, "Rejoice, right, because of." Through, through the suffering, right? Because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Um, I, I think it's interesting that we tend, in our culture, we tend to look for God's validating us by how well our lives are going, right? Uh, man, God blessed me with this and this and this and this. I, I think that's true, right? James also says, all good things come down from the Father, right? Uh, and so I think in a lot of ways, yeah, maybe, maybe God does validate us in those ways. But when things are going like this, when we feel crushed and depressed, uh, persecuted and all these things, um, we tend to think of that as like God is disappointed, right? Um, as, you know, if we have anything less than a general sense of peace, at least in my own family, uh, if we have anything less than at least a middle class sense of prosperity, uh, if we have anything less than decent health most of the time, then it's like we feel God's disappointed with us, you know. And Paul is saying, uh, I think Paul's words here remind me that endurance is often the more powerful testimony of faith than a miraculous deliverance from those hardships. Um, allow allow your endurance of faith to be a testimony. Um, when I was thinking about like different titles or whatever for for this lesson for this uh, chapter here in Corinthians, I was thinking something like um, "Congratulations, you're a failure." Uh, losing is winning, you know, something like that. And uh, I think that that message really kind of is carried in here. Uh, Rejoice that you are nothing more than a clay jar because that's, it's through your weakness that Christ's power um, is made perfect. Are you clinging to 
the clay jar? Are you boasting in the envelope, in the presentation uh, of yourself? Or are you rejoicing that God's power is perfected in your weakness? Um, l- let me just lift up this message uh, to God. And, and um, uh, I-, I just pray that, uh, I don't know, that there is something in here. I know. I think it was a couple of weeks ago I was up here doing the Lord's Supper and the first thing I said was, I am so inadequate. I still believe that. Um, and I hope that I am always inadequate, I guess. Um, because it's, it's through our inadequacies that I think, you know, I would hate for you to look at me and say, man, Brad is a great preacher. I know I'm not a great or even decent preacher. Um, I just hope that, you know, that God's words here would just really dwell in you this week. Um, and uh, so let, let's just lift up this uh, message. Uh, we'll lift you up before God for this week. God, we, uh, I, I just pray that you would renew our minds, that you would cleanse us of the messages of our culture, the, the ways that Satan has blinded us uh, and others from what the gospel really is. Uh, God, I, I just pray that you would really give us the strength to endure in difficult times, in hard times, um, and that we would just allow that to be a testimony of faith. Um, God, I just pray that our lives, just like Paul says, are lived before you in your sight. It's not about it's not about even what I think other people, um, how they view me how they view us in our faith and, and our um, uh, whatever it is. God, I, I just want to live my life before your throne. Um, I pray, God, that you would just instill in us a sense of, um, just a, a sense of boldness about what the gospel is. Uh, we don't need to be great speakers or have all the knowledge we feel like we might need to have. Um, God, to just pray that uh, your message would work itself out, would flesh itself out in our lives, especially in the way that we are just upfront and, and bold about our weaknesses. Um, God, just be with us this week. Uh, allow this message to uh, really just change our own lives, but also just the perception of what church and Christianity is here in Fort Collins. Uh, I just thank you for this message. I thank you for this, for this body and for this family. And it's through Christ we pray. Amen. Let's uh, continue worship together.